You're listening to Carmen and Yurko, live from the old National Bank State Street studio on WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Happy Fat Tuesday. It's Carmen and Yurko live in the old National Bank State Street studio on Twitch. Join the chat there if you like. You can watch and be part of the conversation. Twitch.tv or download the Twitch app. Tags in the NFL are at this point for the next two weeks uh, in play for pending free agents. The window is now open until March 7th. I haven't seen anything official on a player that's been tagged yet. Usually it takes a little while. Yeah, people nothing else. If Lamar Jackson's going to get tagged, and a lot of people think if he does, he will not play. That he's looking for a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson? Is that what Lamar yeah. Jackson wants? That's your dilemma. Uh, this is where the Browns ownership group probably pissed off every other owner every in the league. Every other team in the league. And every other team in the league is probably looking at Steve Biscotti right now saying, don't you dare. They don't want two quarterbacks in this league with guaranteed, fully well, guaranteed. I mean, it's contracts. the toughest position a to play. It's the toughest position to uh, get a com- complete grasp of, right? It's the one that's you probably have the uh, most often injured because uh, even though they're trying to protect the quarterbacks, still it's rarity. You know, you had ten quarterbacks that played seventeen games. I-, I wonder. That's a good question, right? You know, I and and I mean they're doing everything they can possibly to protect these guys. You know, whether up. it's injury or whether it's ineffectiveness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're doing everything in the world to try to get these guys. But you got to be able to uh, – the way it was put, why you don't have guaranteed contracts in the NFL is how do you get guys to play when they're hurt? Right. Man, you know, how do you get them to play when they're hurt? The only way you can get them to play when they're hurt is if they're worried about losing their contract. Their, yeah, their contract is right. their gig at the end of the year. So – that's I mean, the way they love, put like, it. It players, was never like, fair. You're the you're a former player too. Like you like you love the idea oh, yeah. of that, but it just seems so unlikely. And there's well, got to be pressure from the other owners. If every contract in every other major sport is guaranteed for the life of the contract, we always said in football, why aren't our contracts guaranteed? It doesn't make any sense. So yes, it looks good. Here's your other problem with that that contract that Sean Watson got from the Cleveland Browns, very desperate Cleveland Browns team. He's getting paid $54 million. $54 million is more than 20% of a cap that's at $224 million. So he's getting paid at a rate that is a little bit too high. So if, if, the, if the salary cap was at $270 million, I'd say your $54 million is where it should be. Mm. You're on point. 20% of it goes to the quarterback as long as your quarterback is exceptional. You can't give fifty. You know you can't give twenty percent of the cap. So twenty percent of the cap right now, two twenty four is forty four million. Right. So forty four million for me is the going price of a quarterback. Not if he's 54. a top flight if quarterback, maybe one of the best in the league. You got to be the best. If you're not a top flight quarterback, guess where your your number goes? South forty four. Uh, it's. Uh, I like how you put that. Even though they try to protect them, quarterbacks get hurt. It's yeah. a dangerous sport. It's a. Da- it just. Yeah. It is. It is. So here are the quarterbacks. You want to know how many played seventeen games? Eight. I want to know eight. eight. Now, if you add six, if you do the quarterbacks that played sixteen or seventeen, because some may have right. sat just at yeah. the end, you got twelve quarterbacks that played sixteen or seventeen yeah. games. That's it. Out of ESPN ranked all the way down to Sam Ellinger who played four games. That's fifty quarterbacks. Yeah. That played this year. Twelve played sixteen or seventeen games. Only eight played all seventeen games. 
You almost nailed that number on the head. Yeah, 25% of the league. So, so, I mean, it's hard to guarantee a contract in the NFL because you got to motivate players to play when they're not feeling good. Because you don't feel good a lot, Carm. No, I can imagine. And if you guarantee the quarterback's money, why aren't oh, you guaranteeing the wide receiver's money? That's going to lead to a whole other... Then why aren't you uh, guaranteeing this guy's money? And why do you even have up-downs in contracts where if a guy is active, he gets paid at one level, and if you're not active, you get paid at another level? That's why the owners have to be putting the squeeze on Biscotti, right? Like, hey, you can't. You can't, because they don't want to open up Pandora's box. Not only that, but you put yourself in a little bit of a trick bag. The way they allocate and they account for guaranteed money. Oh, they... The, the the number for Deshaun Watson is identical over the next five years. Never changes like a lot of the other Never contracts. changes. It's identical. And you, you, you can't fluctuate it in any way. You can't give them a whole bunch of money, call it a signing bonus, and then try to do it because it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. The guaranteed wording is that that's the way you've got to account for it. Hmm. So that becomes a little bit tricky, too. It's a never-ending topic of discussion on Get Up these days. Every morning, um, they're talking about Justin Fields and what the Bears should do and what's the value of the number one yeah. pick. And this is a slightly different take. I mean, I, I like Jeff Darlington. He's more of a reporter. He's not just a talking head that's got to spew um, constant, like, hot no. takes. He's giving you more of, like, you know, things that he hears in league circles and, you know, what's likely – uh, but Darlington was on this morning talking about drafting Bryce Young and potentially trading fields or just what that overall value for the number one pick is for the Bears. This was this morning on Get Up. Take a listen. I think the idea that the Bears would contemplate this is different than the idea of them actually doing it. And that's an important distinction right now. They've got time to figure this out, but they do need to do the math on it. They need to figure out exactly what that number one overall pick is worth. If they can get the Texans and the Colts both kind of leveraging each other to try to move up to that number one spot, then all of a sudden you're getting a haul. But if you lose one or both of those teams and they decide they're not going to do it, suddenly you have to decide maybe this pick is worth us just taking the player. And then you've got to figure out what Justin Fields is worth. Now, I'm not saying they ultimately do it. I think that the number one overall pick will have the value that they want. I just think it's something that they're really going to have to consider in the coming months. Again, that's just more like hardcore right. Um, analysis of you know the way the the like the the the, the mechanisms of the offseason and having that number one overall pick and what it's all about, not a hot take on like Fields is this or that or somehow Bryce Young is now a combination of Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry, which I still don't get. But that's just interesting because he says there's still a lot at play and they have a long offseason to figure it out. If they can play those two teams against one another and get a max haul great but maybe they get to a point where they realize we're not getting the kind of value we thought or that we like and maybe they do stay there maybe they do fall in love with one of the quarterbacks maybe justin fields does come into play because of that i i I don't see that i see more i see more a trade going back to nine going back to seven you know going back to to that direction with uh maybe vegas with maybe Carolina going back there and then kind of reconfiguring what you're going to do depending upon free agency and what you were able to do in free agency. You know, make a further drop to get more assets if nobody up top is willing to go ahead and dance with you. That'd be huge, wouldn't right. it? For a team at seven or nine to go all the way up to one, wouldn't you get a huge haul well, for that? Well, you would think year? you'd get a huge haul for that, yes. What do you think of this bite I'm going to play for you right here? This is from Albert Breer, who joins Cap and Hoodie to talk football every Tuesday. Listen to this about 
this quarterback class versus the 2024 quarterback class? I would say like what I said earlier um, is a really important thing um, the, about like the 2024 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to hear a lot about the teams at the top, um, the teams with coaches who have job security, studying both classes, studying the 23 quarterbacks and the 24 quarterbacks. And, you know, like comparing and contrasting and deciding whether or not you should wait, because I think this is an imperfect quarterback class. Like, I think between Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, you've got guys who've got talent, but like each guy's got a flaw that could be fatal in the NFL. And so, like, I think, you know, like there's going to be teams that are going to look at this and say, all right, like we're going to go and we're going to drill down hard on Caleb Williams and Drake May. You know, and that's without even considering, like, there are talented guys who could put it all together, like Quinn Ewers at Texas or J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, like, where you look at them and you say, okay, like, that could come together, too. So I I think this is a good, not great quarterback class, much better than last year, obviously. But each guy in this class has a a flaw that could be fatal. And I think that that's going to cause teams to look at sort of the two-year outlay at the quarterback position with two guys in Caleb Williams and Drake May who – I think have a chance to be the types of guys who go number one in any draft. The Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts have two fresh, new, hot off the presses head coaches. They are under no pressure to win in 2023. And that's what he's hinting at. And I thought that was kind of interesting that maybe, you know, we're getting all giddy and excited over here about Houston wanting to go up and Indy wanting to go up with two new head coaches. Maybe they do their evaluation come late April and they go, None of these quarterbacks is worth it. Caleb Williams is. We'll stink again for a year. Drake May is. We'll stink again for a year. I thought that was interesting. I like your point about all you got to do is hope one of those teams at least. And it'd be great if it were Vegas or Carolina fell in love with one of these quarterbacks. Because I think then you're really maximizing the hall. Maybe that does happen. And that's all you're really looking for. And then if you get that murmur, then if, if somebody's in love with Bryce Young... Because Bryce Young's the guy that's it. It's yeah, the one guy it seems like that everybody it. seems to be talking around about. Seems, it, yeah, so that's like the it. one guy you got to have two or three teams love. And if that's going to happen, then, okay, then all of a sudden the attitudes of Houston and India are, well, we've got no choice but to wait till next year now. Mm. Because mm. somebody from behind us jumped, jumped up and up. had a feeling on Bryce Young. Mm. And they went and made the move. And it doesn't make a difference what we're going to do now. And now our only choice is to take a player that's going to help us over the long haul yeah. at a key non-quarterback position, be it be a pass rusher, be a defensive lineman, be it corner, be it whatever. But it's got to be at a different position at quarterback because we're not convinced with the rest of this thing. And if we so pick at the top again next right. year. But yeah. it's that seven and nine that puts the pressure on four and two. Hmm. That's what's going to do it. And then it does kind of change what the board looks like and what the options are like for the Bears. There will still be good options there. You know, we've talked about maybe then you find an O-lineman. A lot of it, as you always say, is going to come down to what their needs are after the free agent wave that is going to hit in another couple of weeks here. Uh, Let's talk about some of those free agents because Matt Bone, who does excellent work breaking down the NFL uh, for ESPN, local guy, updated his list he's got his top 50 free agents and then he's got his most likely destinations for those players he's got two of his top 16 free agents landing in chicago we'll tell you about that coming up and we'll take some of your nfl calls if you want to jump in at 312-332-ESPN we'll be right back 
Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Matt Bowman has updated his list of free agents and their best potential fits this offseason. Talk about a couple of these, then we'll grab phone calls with you. At uh, one we we'll get a spring training update from Jesse Rogers. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Okay, number seven on Matt Bowen's list, Yurko? Yes. Notre Dame's very own, Mike McGlinchey. And this is, now, Mike McGlinchey just turned 28, so still pretty young, right? This is what Matt Bowen writes. McGlinchey didn't produce his best tape in pass production, a uh, pass protection last season. Oh, boy. But he has the pass, uh, but he has, blah, 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 I has can't the read. blocking traits. Let me read. My God. McGlinchey didn't produce his best tape in pass protection last season, but he has the blocking traits at a premier position to upgrade a Bears offensive front that must do a better job of protecting quarterback Justin Fields. He wins with angles and the ability to get off the ball, and while McGlinchey's pass block win rate slipped to 89.6% this year, his run block win rate of 81.2% ranked fifth best in the NFL. It could be a big multi-year deal for McGlinchey. The Bears GM, Ryan Poles, would be adding a starting right tackle to address the subpar play of the Chicago offensive line, which allowed 58 sacks. Braxton Jones, for what it's worth, was ranked 19th in PFF's grades when the season ended. We talked about that. McGlinchey was ranked 35th. Now, he has been inside the top 25 twice in his, I believe he's been in the league for five years, and he's been in the top 25 a couple of times. Always a much better run blocker than pass blocker. Waddle's not a huge fan of that idea. I can tell yeah, you that right I know now. That, Listening yeah. to Waddle talk about McGlinchey and what he sees on tape from McGlinchey. Would it be an upgrade over what they have on that side now? Yeah. I think it'd but be it, an upgrade, but it'd be a tremendous, tremendous amount of money you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. And so compared to the amount of money that you got to pay him to what the upside is. Would I, the Bears be better know. off maybe drafting the best alignment, making him a left tackle, and moving Braxton Jones to the right side? If he's able to play both sides, which I think he probably would be able to. Mm-hmm. I always found that, so you punch on the left, you punch with the right. So if your strong hand's your inside hand, I feel that's your most comfortable side. You've got to develop a strong left hand when you're a right tackle. Because you have to punch with that inside hand. Because that's punching from the inside. You punch the out, too. But the inside hand is the one that you've got to be able to piston it, you know? Yeah. Get it out, get in, cause an impact, maybe bring it back a little bit, then bring it back. Really? And attack. You've really got to have a control of so it. So the inside hand needs to be strong if you're going to play on that. That's yeah. interesting. Inside hand strong, outside shoulder strong you got to do like the rocky you know like tie the one hand behind the back here going just hit the well uh, no, no, strengthen that hand the, the best thing joe moore ever did for any guy that played university of notre dame what happens when guys get beat at both collegiately and the nfl level is when they lean and they mm. put their head forward so if a guy had a problem putting his head forward he made him take his helmet off uh, yeah, i remember reps, you said that pass reps with the helmet off you said that. now if you bring your head guess what you're gonna do you're gonna get your head cracked mm. and you're gonna bleed all over the place but you'll learn not to put your head in there. Why does that inside hand have to be strong? Is it an angle thing? Or no, I think just... the inside hand is the one that you gotta you got to parry them off if they come to attack the inside. So that's what it is? But, you know, that's the one that if they're attacking the inside, you're going to have to be able to stick it. I got you. And then your footwork's and... going to keep you there, too. Yeah, so you got to be strong enough right. to hold them and, off. And the right hand, and then you can ride a guy out by planting the left hand up there. You can ride a guy out at the tackle position. Okay. 
The guard position, you got to help out both sides. You got to help. I know you always say that. There's not a ton of room to go. Yeah, yeah. So all you got to do is kind of get and engage your guy, you know, and flatten him out. That's all you're looking to do is flatten him out at that point on the inside. So Bowen thinks McGlinchey's a good spot. Uh, The Bears are a good spot for McGlinchey. He's also got another name that we've heard a lot about, and it's Draymond Jones, the defensive tackle from the Broncos. And he right and now he just turned twenty six. He's young. This is one of those guys coming off that I rookie like, deal. Yeah, I like Deron Payne better. But go uh, ahead. I do We're, too, we're down personally. further now. Let me go all the way down to twenty. This is what he writes: uh, with edge interior flexibility, Jones is a high end mover who shows a quick first step off the ball and the short area juice to penetrate versus the run game or create pass rush production. In twenty two, he registered six and a half sacks and twenty eight pressures, and his pass rush win rate. When lined up inside, it was 16%, and it ranks sixth among all defenders. That's impressive. He's an ascending player who would immediately upgrade a talent-efficient Bears pass rush. I expect Jones to cash in with a long-term deal. The Bears allowed almost five yards per rush last year, and their sack total of 20 was dead last in the NFL. I will tell you that over the last three years, too, Draymond Jones, mostly lining up inside, has 32 quarterback hits. So he's been around the quarterback a lot, and when Matt Bowen says he's got that quick first step. When you put on the tape, you do see it. He gets off the ball quick. Dare I say he's the guy that benefits when the overall talent around him is a lot better, too. Probably. Like so when Shum you, left. If, if you've got him, and then you've got Jalen Carter, mm. you know, then you're, or Will Anderson, or, you know, and they still haven't addressed anybody on the perimeter. No. So now you got an interior pass rusher, but you haven't found an exterior pass rusher. And they need that. Yeah, I think, uh, and who knows what's going to happen with Orlando Brown Jr. Did they franchise him last year? Uh, they did. No, I thought he was playing did, on a franchise last year. I, I believe. So they can do it again this year, but they've got to pay him 120% of what they paid him last year. Uh, let, me, let me double check, because I thought they yeah. did franchise him, but then did they agree to a one-year deal with him? It was something, uh, okay. Let me double check. I'm trying to remember right I now. I am, too. Because and really, what's the advantage of giving them a one-year deal? If you franchise uh, yeah. them, what's the advantage no, of giving them a yeah, one-year you're, deal? You're probably right. I, I think they franchised him. Yeah. I just want to... So uh, they, could... if they franchise him again, they're paying him 120% of what they paid him yeah, last year. You're right. You're, he, after failing yeah. to reach a long-term deal, he signed his franchise tag on yeah. August 2nd, 2022. And he played it. Tender was worth 16.7. And then this year, they'd have to give him a $3.2 million race. Correct. Yes. That's right. So he'd be at 19 and change, whatever it's going to be. So are they willing, Kansas City, to give an offensive tackle? Their offensive tackle, 19 and change. Let's grab some calls. Mark's in Dallas on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Um, I, have, I have friends here that want to try to get, get me to understand that uh, to trade trade uh, Justin Fields. I'm all for keeping Justin Fields. And people f- fail to remember, he's not going to be uh, uh, Trubisky. No, Matt, my, uh, Fields is nowhere near Trubisky. I hope and, not. Are you... <laughs> I and think about it, we, we're bringing going to bring Young in. He's Young, uh, Bryce Young is is a, a small frame guy, and he's going from a what, a ten uh, ten game season in college or a twelve game fourteen a seven game yeah. Yeah. seventeen game uh, season in the NFL, and he's uh, slightly built. Yes, I and know. And he ain't going to be able to handle an NFL season. What do you guys think? That'd be my fear with Bryce Young. I don't care how, you know, what all the well, other That's what they were saying talk. about Patrick Mahomes, right? No, I don't think that's I, Or was it Deshaun Watson that oh, yes. they were worried about? Yes, yes. Watson, they're worried about his skinny legs. Thin frame. Skinny yes. legs. True. Yeah. Very true. 
No, yeah, you think those are legitimate concerns with a guy that's uh, as slightly built as Bryce Young, Mark. Let's say hi to Mike and Whiting on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mike. Mike. <clears throat> hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think whatever the Bears do with this first-round pick, whatever plan they have, trading Justin Fields should be nowhere near part of any of this plan. I mean, I have to listen to Bears games on Sundays. So I didn't really get to see them. And just a little while ago, I, I decided to just do the eye test on YouTube. I looked at Fields' good plays. I looked at Bryce Young's good plays. And it's just no comparison. <laughs> well, they're tough it's to compare. No I mean, you got different levels right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a little tough to compare. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks, Mike. They're, Adam will tell you all about Adam Abdal will tell you all about Bryce Young. He loves Alabama. He doesn't miss an Alabama game. Uh, Bryce Young's extremely talented. I mean, he is. He's great. But the size thing worries me. It's, it's real. And yeah. I think it's real. There's one Alabama player that I wanted the Bears to, in this draft. And that's Will Anderson. And that is, his name is Will Anderson. <laughs> his name is not Bryce Young. I believe Abdallah's on record with that one. Joe's at Chicago Ridge. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing, guys? Um, you know, just a kind of a different topic. Um, is there any thought, you know, we talk about value to say that the quarterback obviously drives the train in every situation, or most of them anyway. Wouldn't it be fair to at least consider drafting the guy and keeping the quarterback, um, you know, kind of ensuring that, that long-term, um, I guess, prospect look to make sure that you do have a chance that you do have the guy because without him, what's the point, you know? Well, I, you mean keep uh, Justin and still draft in the first round a quarterback? I don't know. I think yeah, that, I, I think that, you know, Will tough. Anderson, of course, is a, a wonderful player. I think we can all agree on that. But, you know, is it worthwhile to have a superstar defenseman like that if you don't have the quarterback, well, you know what I mean? It's just kind of a different thought. And that'd curious be a, if you that'd get be a, that'd be a tough quarterback room, Joe. That'd that, be a, that's a lot of yeah. yeah I wouldn't do tough. that. I also think there's a um, there's a lot of needs on this football. There's a hundred percent, York. And, and we've we've gone over it over and over. You, uh, a guy coming off the corner, you need a three technique. You probably need an immovable uh, one technique or two eye guy playing on the opposite side of your three. I'm um, all right with the linebackers that we have. That's not a problem. If you got if you got me one more corner, I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't cry at all if you got me one more corner. And then you need uh, at least one receiver, at least at one least, receiver, least. and you need two to two and a half offensive linemen. Yeah, I think there's just way too much That's that they have at. to do, yeah. and you run the risk of just a very um, unsettled, unpleasant quarterback room with two guys three years apart that were drafted in the top ten. I mean, I, I just. Or, where was Justin ultimately? Where did the Bears go up to 12? 11, Justin? 11. 11. I think 11. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't see something like that happening. You New York not. Giants, right? New York yes. Giants they yes. trade with. You know, you should draft quarterbacks, okay? If you've got one that's in year three that, you're, that you believe in, that you're building around, you don't draft another one with the first overall pick. Do you draft one in the sixth round? Sure. But if... If you're drafting Bryce Young, it's because you don't believe in Justin. You believe more in Bryce Young. Yes. I would not do. I would not keep the two of them together. Fat Mike in the city, our buddy. What's up, Mikey? What's going on, guys? Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, I, I feel like I'm a crazy person here, sitting on the other end of this. And it's, I, my my thought on the entire thing of the free agency and the draft and stuff like that is, you have all this money, you have all these picks. Why don't you spend the money that you have on proven offensive linemen and not take a risk on drafting 
but some stew bum that's coming out of the draft. Well, who's proven? I mean, you want if Orlando Brown becomes available, you want Orlando he's Brown. Proven, he's a proven guy. He's yeah. a proven guy. You know, he had the same. Spend the you know, money he had the, the same, proven guy he, in free agency. You know, he had the same grade as Braxton Jones last year. And I'll take it. Fine, opposite of him, I'll take it. All Wouldn't right. you? Yeah, I, I'd be. Okay. I guess I'd be okay. Orlando Brown Jr. did not get off to a good start. He did play better as the season went on, and maybe that was a product of missing the. Off season, camp. right? And he yeah. came in a little bit late because of the franchise tag. So that, what's that? Just like Yerk says all the time, it's a product. Of, it's a product of snaps. Yeah, that you get could the be. time in there. You get the you get the feel of everything. Yerk, you say it all the time. Yeah, that boom. Could be. Like let's get let's get it in there. Let's get these snaps in there. I don't look at the Jets. The Jets have this guy up there. He's, he was he was terrible two years ago. Now the guy's a perennial pro bowler. I don't because mind. he has the time and be, be, he got the snaps. I wouldn't mind. Reps. Um, I, I, I don't get the reps. Mike, thanks, buddy. I don't know if I would totally mind Orlando Brown Jr. Although, get ready, folks. It's going to be a huge, yeah, big deal contract. And I mean, it'll be twenty some million a year. Yes, it will be. Yeah. And I don't want to hear but any bitching and complaining from everybody that was like, spend your money on the proven if, offensive line if he stinks next year. If if you're going to hand out money to either Brown or to McGlinchey, I'd rather you give it to Brown. I would, too. Yes. So we agree. Yes. yes. And you move Braxton to the other side. Okay. But tread lightly, folks. Just remember, his early tape this year was not good. Maybe it was just a product of the slow start because he missed the offseason. That's true. And he seemed to get better as the season went on. He held up better late in the year. He held up well in the playoffs. That entire line obviously acquitted itself quite well in the Super Bowl, although the game plan in the field, I think, had a lot to do with it. Uh, Kansas City's game plan, that is, and the field conditions had a lot to do with aiding the Chiefs' offensive line. But just watch the beginning part of the season and tell me what you think. And Yurko's right. That's going to be north of $20 million a year. For Orlando Brown, if he becomes available and he leaves Kansas City now, and someone like Chicago were to sign him. If I can get McGlinchey for 17? More in line with that? Underneath the 21 that over four years, I'd be, I'd be, I'd feel pretty good about myself. All right. But you're going to have to commit a lot of money to yep. Orlando Brown. Yes, it's going to be a ridiculous yep. amount of money, people. Just remember that. Coming up next, Jesse Rogers checks in. From uh, the camp of the defending champs, Yerk, the Houston Astros, we'll talk some Cubs socks with them. And Shohei as well. Shohei, it sounds like, according to his agent, is going to dip his toe in the water next offseason. He wants to be a free agent. Who can blame him? He might get a $500 million contract. We'll be right back. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Baseball, talk some baseball with Jesse. Oh, I'm excited. Jesse's on the line. He's on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. I got nothing but baseball questions. As uh, as we bring in Jesse, we got to play a couple of highlights first, though, because this guy's got everybody talking, and rightfully so. Otani sends another one out to right field. That one doesn't stand a chance to stick around. Two-run shot. Second of the night for Shohei. Otani drives that one. Center field. Back on his hopeless off the wall. Here comes Ward. That's going to tie the ball game. 
Shohei Otani with the double. We're knotted up at four. Two strikeouts for Otani this inning. A total of seven on the afternoon. The one-two got him again. The three-two. He got him again. Eleven for Otani. We throw around unicorn way too liberally. The, the one unicorn in any sport is that guy. He's a rarity. Is Shohei. Ger, uh, George Herman Ruth. Yeah. That's who he is. Uh, he's putting up, uh, you know, last two seasons, it's like almost 20 wins above replacement with what he does at the plate and what he does as a pitcher. Yeah. He's you know, basically put up two back-to-back 10-win seasons. Man, it's exceptional. Jesse's on the Carax tire and auto hotline. His agent said he's going to be a free agent next year. At least that's the plan. He wants to test free agency. He's going to be, I think, 29? 29. Next year, Jess. And uh, I don't know if it's way too early to decide who the favorite is, but the Cubs were thrown out there, and the Cubs were very in on him last time. And I think we're like in that final three, weren't they? Well, they were the only sort of team east of of the Pacific Ocean, really, to to uh, to be in the finals. Yeah, every everybody else is along the West Coast there, and I think that's what's going to end up being from everything that I hear. Seattle's going to jump in. San Francisco's going to jump in. You know, no one has said this for sure that he wants to stay on the West Coast, but that's the feeling around him and the people that report on him every day. So, you know, the Cubs are going to have to offer $500 million. Let's start with that. I yeah. think someone probably will do that. $50 million a year is probably what he's going to get. Mm. It's 25 for a pitcher, 25 as a hitter kind of stuff. And I'm not even sure Ricketts and Chet Hoyer have the stomach for it all. They're not ready to, you know, go on a 10-year winning streak right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's still something they're building. Now, you change course sometimes when a guy like Otani becomes available, right? I don't know if they're if they're going to be willing to outbid all those West Coast teams for Shohei. I mean, Suzuki's going to make his pitch, but well, there's plenty of people out West that are going to make their pitch as well. So I, I'd be pretty surprised if he ended up in a Cubs uniform. I, I wish our teams would be more, you know, oh, yeah, there's a unicorn available. We've yeah, we're going to go get them. Let's go get him. Nothing will stand in our way. Steve We're going to get him. Steve Cohen doesn't care about 10-year plans. He's well, just going to be like, I'll oh, spend the money on him. Absolutely. <laughs> our owners don't right. have that kind of money, though, I guess, Jess. You know, and Ricketts, Ricketts talked to reporters yesterday, and, yeah. it, it, you know, it's clear what kind of owner he is. Like, people that said he's never going to spend are wrong. People that think he's going to spend like Steve Cohen, and I don't know anybody out there, That's true. are wrong. Yeah. He, he's somewhere in the middle. He's not the Pirates owner, but he's not Steve Cohn. He's not the Dodgers owner. He's not Peter Seidler or the Padres. And those kind of owners, the phrase that comes to mind is they will win at all costs yeah. in any given year. Ricketts is not that, but he's also not the cheapest in the world. I do think he'll go by, past that CBT in certain seasons. But we know he's kind of a more measured guy, and he'll have enough to win. But does he go all out for a guy like Otani? I'm not sure. Now, if he was the finishing touch to a team, and I suppose he could be on any team in, in some ways, maybe maybe I'd, I'd think differently. But I just don't see them going way over their skis for him when they don't really have a complete team around them. But I know what you mean by that. Uh, that that's baseball. They, they've got the two best players in the sport that can't make the postseason. Right. Uh, so I, I, I do – I understand that. I mean, it's not – um, it's not like adding not about best, one guy. It's not, it's not, it's about not one like guy. adding the best basketball player or the best quarterback or the best pass rusher. Maybe to it's just not. I mean, they they can't make the playoffs out there. They got the two best yeah. guys. I mean, it's crazy, right? Um, and right. the infrastructure with the Dodgers. It just it, the Dodgers are the favorite among people in baseball, but 
that's just right now. I mean, I think the Mariners and Giants are both. Think about the Giants. They keep missing on stars. They I would know. make him the centerpiece. Yeah. So there's a lot of competition for Otani and all of it out west where he probably wants to stay. Uh, all right, Jess, let's talk about some other stuff close to home. And thank you for hooking up Wilson Contreras yesterday. I mean, he told us 2018 was the last time the Cubs approached him, and it was six years, $24 million. That, that seems crazy, Jesse. Yeah, okay, a couple things. First of all, I heard you talking about 2020. You were thinking of Javi Baez. There you go. Got it. That's what I thought. But that that just underscores the point that they have not made – they did not make Contreras an offer in Mm. years, in a half a decade nearly. That's crazy. Um, You know, four years or so. So, And it wasn't 24. He got that wrong. I went back to my notes. You know, maybe just misspoke. But it wasn't much more than that. Okay. They offered him six in thirty-five okay. in eighteen. Right. Now you have to remember that's not a lot either, but it's only a couple years into his career. He still had at least three years of arbitration left before free agency. Now it was six and thirty-five with two options that would take it to eight years and sixty-four. Still not a lot of money. So you can no. understand why he turned it down. But fast forward to this past season, you guys touched on it, but I, I sat with him for an hour yesterday. I have never heard a player make his desires to stay as known as he did because most of the time an agent will tell him, hey, look, you're going to lose leverage if you tell them over and over again you want to stay. Now, he told me yesterday, it wasn't just I want to stay. It was I went into David Ross's office and I told him I wanted to be here and I would do what it took. Mm-hmm. He went to Tommy Hottaby, the pitching coach, and in an emotional discussion he describes, he told him how much he wanted to be here for the next sort of contending team and next group of pitchers. And those guys just kind of, you know, put their arms up and they, they sort of put it on the front office. The bottom line is if a team lowballs you, okay, that's one thing. But they have to be prepared to, for you to accept it. Like Rizzo, they supposedly lowballed Rizzo in his eyes. Mm-hmm. But if he accepts it, he's a Cub. They did not even right. lowball him right. knowing how much he wanted to stay. That's how much they did not want him to stay. Wow. So telling. And, and, and so anybody that holds anything against Wilson Contreras is nuts. Even if he says things like, this is where I belong and stuff like that. Hmm. He wanted to be a Cub, and he went where a team wanted him. And, and, and who can't understand that? That's crazy. Uh, on the Sox side of things, a uh, couple, uh, couple notes, uh, news and notes uh, and nuggets, Jess. Uh, Elvis Andrews coming back. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem ideal. I can't imagine he replicates uh, the magic that he brought after uh, he was acquired last year for that stretch run. I'll hope for the best, but man, I mean, it just seems like they're it seems like they're reaching. If you ask me, well, let me say this: I agree with you from a pr- production standpoint, but to me, he's the instant leader in that team. Hmm. He's the instant leader in that club. Well, what does that say? A guy that got here in August last I year. Agree. I agree. Mean, <laughs> exactly. I don't Jeez. think Tim Anderson is the guy. We know Liam Hendricks is out and can't be the guy as the closer. Abreu's moved on. I saw and talked to Abreu today. Elvis Andrews probably be, will bring more to the clubhouse than he might on the, uh, to the back of his baseball card in terms of numbers and stuff. So that is a positive. You know, I saw Abreu today, and I, he didn't lead the way everybody maybe thought or wanted him to. Like, I saw him today, and he guys surround him, but it's in, it's talking baseballs. Like he was doing baseball stances with Martin Maldonado and Jordan Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez doesn't need any help, but that's what he, no. he kind of brings them together from a baseball. Like here's your stance. Here's what, but I don't think he's necessarily the guy to say, Hey, Eloy, or Hey, whoever you're playing the game the wrong way. You need to shape up. You need to run the bases better. I don't think that was Jose Abreu. 
So Elvis Andrews, I think, does bring that to the table, something they completely missed. I think Grafal is going to bring that. I mentioned that to you before, but it can't just be the manager. It has to be a player, and that's Andrews. But it was interesting seeing Abreu. He did draw his teammates to him just today, his first full day of workouts. But it was all about swings and stances and things like that. And I think that's his strength more so than any other leadership skills. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll be missed, I, I think, in terms of what he meant to the clubhouse. I think they can replicate some of the production. At least I'm certainly hopeful. But, man, it's just surprising to hear, like, who are they going to lean on? they got to lean on a guy, a 34-, 35-year-old player that got here for a cup of coffee last year, and now they're bringing him back. Any other notes from uh, – the camps you've been at, I know you crossed the country. You're in the Grapefruit League. You were at St. Louis yesterday. They're going to be the favorite to win that, the, uh, the Central. What about the Astros? I mean, they're they're going to be up there again, one of the favorites to win the World Series, Jess. Yeah, it was one of the themes I was talking to guys. I mean, how do you get back to a third straight World Series? And, of course, it's all day-to-day type of stuff. But, I mean, you think about Jeremy Pena taking over from Korea, for Korea. He's a, he's a budding star. They add a Brayu. McCullers is hurt right now, and Jordan's hurting a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're going to be there at the end. They're that good. Yesterday was interesting with the Cardinals. The one thing is I do think the Cubs can push them if everything kind of works out for the Cubs early on. Cardinals have 14 players going to the WBC. Wow. 14, including 40-year-old Adam Wainwright. Wow. That, that has to have an impact on him and team building. I mean, Contreras is the one guy not going, which, you know, he was invited to, so – you know, they they said, look, new team, you need to stay back and learn some pitchers. So, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's good for the Cardinals organization in a way, but not necessarily good for the 2023 season. So, the Cubs, unfortunately, don't have that many going, right, because they're not that good. They don't have stars all over the place. But maybe there's an advantage to be had early on as the Cardinals kind of sort of find their way when they come back from the WBC and the Cubs are maybe rolling a little bit because it's going to take a – best-case, worst-case scenario for the Cubs to even be close to the Cardinals, let alone pass them. So the one thing I noticed, guys are getting – I mean, uh, Lars Nupar is going to go to Japan mm. next in a, in a week, you know, because he's playing for the Japanese team. Yeah. So – and Suzuki, of course, is doing the same thing. So there are a few Cubs, but um, 14 Cardinals, that's a that's lot. That's a lot. Cubs are plus 550 yeah. to win the Central. Cardinals are the favorite, as I mentioned, at minus 125 to win the NL Central this year. The White Sox are – Pretty much neck and neck with the Guardians. They're both about a dollar forty. Sox are a dollar forty-five. Cleveland's a dollar forty to win the AL Central. Jess, good work, good catching up. We'll talk to you again later in the week or next week. Okay. You got it, guys. Thanks, Take buddy. care, right, buddy. See There's right, Jesse buddy. Rogers covering spring training, not just the Cubs and Sox, but actually in the Grapefruit League for a little while, doing some work now for ESPN.com. Read all of his great stuff there, and he joins us just like all of our guests on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. It's Carmen and Yurko. We'll be right back. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Yurko, ask your question. It's a baseball question I was thinking of. Baseball, Ray. Aaron Judge had 62 home runs last year. Yes, he did. Will Aaron Judge be closer to 62 home runs this year or 32 home runs this year? That's a a great question. I'm going to say closer to 62, but that means he's going to have to hit like 48 bombs, Yeah, 47, 48, 47 being the middle number. Middle number is 47. You have to hit 48 bombs. Yeah. Jeez. 
48 Damn, pounds this year. Uh, I don't know. Hold on. Let me think I, about I, that. I saw a list of the big home run years for everybody Everybody had in their career. And yeah. the subsequent year, the guy that did best was Sammy Sosa. He had 66 oh, yeah, and yeah. 63. Right. So he's the guy that uh, did the best. He, he's got... He's. I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to change... I'm going to say he's going to be closer to the 32. Guy 47 and he'd be close. Well, yeah, yeah. 46. 47 is the 46, middle. 46. 47 is the middle. 46 home runs and be closer to 32. I'm going to say closer to 32. Okay. Great question by you. Threw it out there. What, did you, what would you say? I was going to say it'd be shorter. Okay. Because if you looked at that list of 10 guys that hit home runs, you know, had those massive home runs here. Yeah. The next year they came back and it was Wolf. Came back down to earth? Yeah, except for Sammy Sosa. Except for Sammy. I mean, the guy could hit 46 bombs and we'd be on the right side of that. Yeah. Well, I like your question very much. I'm here for you. You look at you all of a sudden thinking baseball. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about it. That's why my mind works. You know, hey, he hits it. What can he? Could he hit sixty-two? Then I saw the thing, and I'm like, oh, maybe not. But what would be the number? What would be a good question to ask? Great. That's why I came up with thirty-two or sixty-two. Aaron Judge is unsurprisingly your favorite to win most regular season home runs in MLB this year. He is plus five seventy-five. Mike Trout is second. Remember, Mike Trout at forty last year. You just yeah. wonder about Mike Trout playing a whole year. Yeah, but he's eight to one, and the guy who I I think you should always bet. Now the odds aren't great, but still eight and a half to one. You want, you know, I don't know who I say bet every year. Pete Alonzo, eight and a half to one on Pete Alonzo. York, you could also get ten to one on Jordan Alvarez, which is kind of tasty. You know who's twelve to one? Who? Take a guess. Twelve to one. We talk about him a lot. Shohei, not Shohei, not Shohei. Shohei's fourteen to one. We talk about him a lot and how he should have been on the South Side as a White Sox. Kyle Schwarber. Oh, Schwarber's 12. Schwarber went, led the NL, didn't he? Schwarbaum. Didn't he finish with yeah. the most in the NL? I think he did. Yeah. Schwarbaum so, uh, is 12 to 1. Can I give you Aaron Judge's home run seasons over the course of a lifetime? That's a great idea. Why 20, don't you do 2016, that? 4. 17, 52. 18, 27. 19, 27. Now, then you got some shortened years where he didn't play a ton, uh, 2020. Don't count. But then he had 39 home runs in 21 and then 62 last year. Bombs. Yeah. Bombs, Yurko. So one other year, five years ago, mm-hmm. he had 52 home runs. Mm. And that would be a winner for you. That'd be a winner. Every other year, he's a loser. Mm-hmm. Including well, a year where he went 27 and 27. Yeah. Schwarber did hit 50, uh, 46 last year. That led the NL. He hit 46, nice. Yurko. 12 to 1, Schwarber, who wants a little? Who wants peace? I'm betting Alonzo. How old Schwarber I, I, I'll now? I'll be honest with you. I might make a small, I, you know, and these are small little bets, just to have a little fun with it. Eight and a half, 10, 12 to 1. Alonzo, Alvarez, and Schwarber to lead in home runs. Although, I don't know. I wonder if Schwarber can duplicate what he did last year. I mean, I wish he was a White Sox, believe me. He is 30, I believe, now, York, right? This will be his age 30 season. Yes. Schwarber age turns, uh, it's Schwarber's birthday is in a few days. Turns 30. You believe that? Little, ba- little baby face Kyle Schwarber yeah, turning 30? Little baby face. Can you believe it? 32, 46, 11, 38, 26, 30. Well, he's hit some 30. He's sitting on 199, Carl. He's sitting on 199. Next home run will man. be 200 home runs for him. 
Like you said, he's got four 30 home run seasons. But, you know, if you're going to lead, you got to hit in the 40s. Yeah, you got to He's only 40s. done that once. Like, yeah. can Schwarber do that again? Maybe he can. Maybe it's worth 12 to 1. I feel better about Alvarez you know and about can, Pete Alonso. You know where you can find odds? This week's Honda Classic. Why is that? Because the, all the good players aren't playing. They played in the last couple of weeks mm. at the heightened money events. Right. This event goes down to being a normal event. This is the event that um, Moynihan doesn't like. Right. So he's not giving extra money to it. Just so they don't care about the Honda? They got like Sung J Um playing M playing in this one, mm-hmm. and he's the favorite. Really? But after that, dude, you've got odds. It could be one of these long shots that comes out of nowhere in the Honda Classic at a big that. price and Sung gives you a payday. Sung J nine to one. Shane Lowry sixteen to one. Yeah. I mean, them are odds. Card. Billy Horschel twenty five to one. These are odds that I'm giving you. Min Woo Lee. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Oh, twenty eight to one. He's golfer, Carm. Quarters, 30 to 1. Mm-hmm. That's Matt Kuchar, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, Carmen quarters. and Yurko vernacular. Right. Quarters is there. JT Post in 33 to 1. Johnny Vegas, 35 to 1. Jahatney? Jahatney. How about a Seamus Power? Do you have a Seamus Power? Uh, is Seamus playing? Hold on. In his uh, Florida tournament? You got to love it when a Seamus Power's in the lineup. I don't see him. He overpowers the golf course, Carm. Well, that's why his now last name's got, Power. Now you so now I you got a bunch it. of guys that are probably from one twenty five to two hundred playing on this. Yeah. You're not going to recognize a ton of these guys. No, I, there's but, a lot of names I don't recognize. But the point is, you could break through. This is a tournament, the Honda Classic. You can break through. Shane Lowry sixteen. I might. Hey, Billy Horschel twenty five to one. Let's go, baby. This is the uh, they left California. Now they're in Florida for Florida a few swing. weeks. Florida, Florida swing. swing. And then you know, I mean, the Masters. Is, you gotta love it. Well, I mean, I mean literally, it's like six the, weeks away. Right? Carm, the minute that we're playing championship college basketball, yeah, you take a deep breath it's and like you're right weeks. into the Masters. You are right into the Masters. And my first official event of the year at Lincolnshire Country Club. Is that right? The Masters Part Three of tournament. Of course it is. You yes. guys lived the life. Man. The Masters okay. Part Three I tournament. Even, I, I, I might join Lincolnshire just to be Heavy part money. of the party with you guys. Heavy money. I mean, my lord. Coming up next is Cross Talk with Waddle and Sylvie. Jeff Darlington has the final word brought to you by Bath Planet. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final you word. Had to have a last word. On Carmen and Yurko. I think the idea that the Bears would contemplate this is different than the idea of them actually doing it. And that's an important distinction right now. They've got time to figure this out, but they do need to do the math on it. They need to figure out exactly what that number one overall pick is worth.